Welcome to Finding Health, the podcast that learns about the complex world of healthcare with you. I'm Brandon, your host. Let's figure this out. I want to apologize today as I'm feeling a little under the weather, but we're going to take a dive into something very serious, so you'll have to pardon my scratchy voice, as I think this question is worth answering. We're talking today about cancer treatment. Something like cancer treatment can be very draining, not just physically, but emotionally. So if you're not in a good mental place to listen to an episode about cancer treatment and mental health, maybe skip this one. But if you're curious about the topic or you want some answers, then let's go get them together. Okay, so this week you're going to get a lot of me talking. And I wanted to share a short story with you. See, when I was acting as a caregiver for my mother during her cancer treatment, one of the things I noticed was the surprising lack of mental health check-ins. Radiation, chemo, and surgeries can be very draining, both physically and emotionally. It can really break your spirit. And it seemed as though the first instinct was to throw some drugs at the problem. Anxious? Here's some Ativan. Going to be in pain and stressed while getting a radiation mask fitted? Here's some morphine. And while I'm glad we were able to access the medication we needed, there, there weren't a lot of mental health options that we felt like we could take. I was surprised at that. My mother had lost the ability to speak and swallow. She found some comfort in online Facebook groups of people who had had similar surgeries, but couldn't participate in any of the feel-good events at the Cleveland Clinic because many involved food or talking. So I wanted to know how often doctors talk to their patients about mental health and what steps patients can take on their own if they need mental health help. My name is Natasha uh, Buchanan-Lunsford. I'm a behavioral scientist in the Division of Cancer Prevention and Control at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, and in this role, I, I conduct research and serve as a technical lead on projects focused on health and wellness of cancer survivors and caregivers. And I also look at the training needs of healthcare providers who serve them. I reached out to the CDC because of an article I found while digging around for an episode. See, I was looking at some articles on the American Journal of Public Health, and I found a piece that Dr. Buchanan Lunsford wrote, and started looking at some of her other work. Then I found a piece on the CDC's website that Dr. Buchanan Lunsford had written, titled, Five Things Cancer Survivors Should Know About Their Mental Health. At first, I thought, only five? But then I read the article and I realized that there were a few things in there that no one had ever talked to us about during my mother's cancer diagnosis, treatment, or recovery. So I wanted to learn more. One of the first things in the article was about something called chemobrain, and according to Dr. Buchanan-Lunsford, it's real. Yes, it's a term that's oftentimes used in the medical community as well as among patients and survivors. Chemobrain or chemofog are terms that are often used to refer to a group of cognitive impairments and those can include problems with learning or language, concentration, memory, uh, during and after treatment for cancer. So specifically, some cancer survivors may experience these concerns as a result of chemotherapy and or hormone therapies used to treat their cancer. And these problems um, can really affect a survivor's 
daily functioning, um, and emotional and mental health problems that survivors face, like depression, anxiety, or stress, or difficulty with sleeping, can also contribute to cognitive difficulties that make thinking and learning harder for them. It is real. Going through something as tough as cancer treatment can have mental health side effects of its own. But the actual cancer treatment, the act of cancer treatment, seems to also be able to facilitate some of those challenges. So what kind of examples are there? So depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, and cognitive difficulties are just some of the more prevalent mental health concerns that can affect cancer survivors living with, through, and beyond cancer. But as many as I would say three out of every four cancer survivors can experience acute or chronic symptoms of psychological distress. And these can really negatively affect quality of life, engagement, and follow-up care with their, with their health care providers and other health-related outcomes associated with cancer. And just how common is this? Um, we know that currently about 15 to 20% of adult cancer survivors experience depressive disorders or depressive symptoms related to disorders, and 10 to 12% experience anxiety disorders. And we often know that findings among childhood cancer survivors are largely similar to these statistics. So it's more common than I thought. But I wanted to know a little bit about caregivers. As someone who was a caregiver for a loved one in cancer treatment, what concerns was I facing? Um, So caregivers can also experience um, challenges with uh, mental health. Um, So it's estimated that of the 16 million cancer survivors in the U.S., 37% of cancer survivors report having an informal caregiver. We should take a quick pause here. When Dr. Buchanan Lunsford is talking about informal caregiving, she's talking about me. The people who aren't medically trained or paid to provide care, but do so for someone to the best of their ability. Um, and the volume of caregiving responsibilities or the length of, t- length of time they're caring for cancer survivors can be associated with the mental health of caregivers and their overall quality of life. So I'm not crazy. There is evidence to back up the fact that being a caregiver can take a toll on my mental health. So circling back, how long does it last, both for cancer patients and caregivers? Do these issues that come up during cancer treatment last for months? Years, days? So um, mental behavioral health concerns in some cases, I would say, resolve shortly after treatment ends. And there's other concerns that may persist for several years after treatment. But there are several factors that can really affect the longevity or resolution of these concerns. And those are, include a number of factors, but not limited to um, the onset, timing, or type of mental health symptoms, diagnoses, or receipt of associated treatment that a cancer survivor um, has, uh, the characteristics related to their cancer type treatment or overall prognosis. Um, There's also individual and and demographic characteristics that play into that, as well as social determinants of the patient's overall health and the support and care that they receive um, to assist them in the process. My ears perked up a little bit there. The demographics of a patient can play into how their mental health can be challenged during cancer treatment? But specifically, we we know that there's differences between um, men and women with regards to the presentation or onset of depression and anxiety. Um, We know that there's differences based on um, age. Um, So, uh, for example, there's cognitive 
uh, concerns that might be associated with other forms of cognitive um, like uh, difficulties with dementia, for example, for those who are over 65. So some of those may or may not be related to their cancer treatment. Um, and we often know that there are concerns experienced by adolescent and young adult survivors too. The less polite way to put it, cancer treatment sucks. And it sucks in different ways for everyone. Everyone has a different experience with cancer treatment and then it affects everyone differently. After the break, Dr. Buchanan Lunsford and I are going to talk a little bit about your healthcare providers, their relationship with mental health and cancer treatment, and who to go to when you need help. If you like our show, we'd love for you to get involved in our organization. We're supported by listeners just like you. Visit us online at reneecfrank.org to make a $20 donation today. It'll help keep us on the air and our organization running. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show. That's R-E-N-E-E-C-F-R-I-N-K.org. Welcome back. I want to start the second half of the show with a startling statistic. According to the CDC, one-third or fewer cancer survivors have talked to their doctor about their psychosocial needs and concerns. As I said in the beginning of this episode, I don't remember talking to anyone with my mother during treatment. It wasn't until my mother decided to seek out mental health treatment on her own that we even really talked about it. So what does Dr. Buchanan Lunsford say about all this? So in order to um, detect and manage mental health concerns, Oncologists and other healthcare providers are um, recommended to conduct a stress screening for their cancer patients in all clinical settings, and this is also required by the American College of Surgeons Commission on Cancer um, and required in their accredited facilities. So the stress screening can be, as I said, conducted by healthcare providers, including oncologists, and can help medical providers determine the severity of patients' concerns. Um, and derive plans for appropriate management and referral to their mental health specialist. So what about throughout treatment? Once you administer this test and you have a baseline, what kinds of things should providers and patients be aware of as they go through treatment? Oncologists and other providers should look for changes in mood, thinking, or behavior, which can affect their patients in multiple areas of their life, such as work, home, or their social engagement. And um, supporting healthcare providers treating cancer survivors through increased education and training is really important and contributes, um, I would say, to the improvement of mental health management and subsequent health outcomes. We are agreeing it's important. Maintaining good mental health and managing that mental health throughout treatment is very important. So what is the CDC doing, if anything, to help facilitate this or make this happen? The CDC has partnered with the National Association for Chronic Disease Directors and Cognito Incorporated uh, to develop an innovative, interactive CME training for medical providers. And this training is called Provider Education for Mental Health Care of Cancer Survivors. Um, And it's a free web-based training. And it was really created to help healthcare providers 
improve their knowledge and communication about mental health concerns that their patients experience, uh, promote distress screening, and help them to refer appropriately. The CDC is taking steps to improve this problem, and I'm really glad that we agree it's important. While the CDC takes steps to improve the communication from medical providers and the doctor's side, our little show will take steps to make sure that you know what your resources are as a patient. So I asked Dr. Buchanan-Lunsford to touch on some of those resources. Patients don't feel that their concerns are being heard or understood by their medical providers being addressed. They can seek out assistance from um, resources such as patient navigators. And if available, they can help them identify appropriate and supportive mental health treatment services. There's also referrals to these services that can be requested through doctor's offices and insurance companies over the phone or online. And depending on where patients are treated, they can request consultations with mental health professionals, including social workers, psychologists, and psychiatrists. Um, And then the other kind of resource I would mention is that CDC offers a list of free confidential resources that can help patients and their caregivers connect with skilled, trained counselors. And there's additional services um, related to post-treatment resources um, through the Cancer Survivorship Resource Center. I'll be sure we share some of those resources in the description below. I want to thank Dr. Natasha Buchanan-Lunsford and her team at the CDC who made this interview possible. You can visit their website, some of the links we've tweeted out, or in the description for more information and assistance. I want to sum it up by saying one important thing. Don't be afraid to talk to your doctor. Ask them for help when you need it. Clinical visits are short and doctors are busy. I remember going in for a 20-minute update on treatment and the doctor would fly in, give us a quick update, and then have to fly out to go to the next patient. Don't be afraid to speak up during that short time. Say, hey, I need help. I have questions. I'd like to talk to someone, a psychologist, a therapist, a counselor. Don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. Maintaining your mental health during cancer treatment is so hard to do, and you shouldn't have to do it alone. Thanks for listening. My name is Brandon Stewart, and this is Finding Health. Finding Health is a production from the Renee C. Frank Society. It was executive produced by me, Brandon Stewart, and this episode was also produced by Mark Rees and Megan Crutchfield, MPH, who does our fact-checking and research. Edited and mixed by the great Benji Block. Thanks to the CDC for their resources for today's episode. You can find more resources and information at the CDC's Cancer Survivor page at cdc.gov cancer survivors or by clicking on the link in the description. 